Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Titus 2.11. Titus 2.11. And then could I have Romans 10.9 up on the screen? We're going to turn to Titus 2.11. We are talking about having the grace of God, really being able to live the Christ life, the Christ man through us. It cannot be done by diligence. It cannot be done by humanistic temperance or development of, of mindful or uh, mind strength or even control or getting used to something and just doing it repetitiously. We are men and women of spirit, amen? And we walk in the spirit, and we need to be strong in the resources of what God has given us. Titus 2.11 says these words, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Now, the word salvation is an all-inclusive word of the totality of the work of Christ at the cross. In other words, if you say somebody is saved, then it means that they are delivered. If somebody is saved, it means that they have been made whole. If somebody is saved, it means that they are reaping benefits. If somebody is saved, they're prosperous. If somebody is saved, they're doing well. They're doing good. If somebody is saved, they have escaped the power of sin. If somebody is saved, they belong to Jesus. Somebody is saved, they're born again. It is an all-encompassing word. And so it says that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, when did salvation appear to all men? The cross and the resurrection. That's what saved man, the cross and the resurrection. Now, Romans 10, 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, God will bring salvation to your life in the future. You shall be what? In other words, there is a promise that you will receive something that is already available. Is that true? Jesus doesn't go back to the cross every week at the altar call. Jesus doesn't go back to the cross every time somebody comes to Christ. Jesus doesn't go back to the cross when we uh, fall short and we repent of our sins and God cleanses us from those sins and from all unrighteousness. Jesus doesn't go back to the cross. So salvation in its totality has already been completed and accomplished, right? Completed and accomplished. Now, let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter and verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. We are talking about grace through faith. And it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath. Somebody say hath. In other words, God considers salvation a past tense work. And when he did it, things were accomplished that we may not see, but really exist. And it says, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved. Next verse. And it says, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, the worlds, the time frames of the future to come, he shall show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved. Somebody say, by grace. By God's provided work of salvation, you 
are saved, redeemed from sins, redeemed from the curse, redeemed from sickness, redeemed from disease. And it says you are saved by grace through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, not of works, talking about physical works. There is the work of faith that leads us to the rest of God. And there is the work that we do physically, trying to get someplace with God, receive something from God, or to uh, be able to uh, resist sin, to end up being without sin or holy before God. But it says that salvation is not of works, least any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained or purposed that we should walk in them. So here we see that we are saved by what? Grace through what? What is grace without faith? Unproductive unproductive now remember the word salvation means the totality of everything that God has done for you and I through rec reconciliation or restoration and that you and I have an inheritance sonship that covers or everything about us all that we would need today and tomorrow this is grace and this is what most people walk in is just grace but grace simply doesn't do anything without faith see grace God's provision the cross Christ Jesus's death and resurrection cannot save a sinner without faith Amen. it's not God's will that any should perish but hell is enlarged every day now we have to understand if faith is not applied to grace, salvation, though it's already available, though it's already done, accomplishes or does nothing for the individual that God did the work for. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. You know that God really can't multiply or bring increase into people's lives without seed sowing and reaping. God doesn't answer prayers that aren't prayed. He doesn't answer prayers that are filled with doubt. So, the throne of grace is available to us, but we have to approach it in faith. This is faith. And if we will apply faith to grace, guess what? There will be a transformation that will be set in motion. And it will begin to work what God has provided grace for you and I to work. It is faith that makes grace profitable to the individual. So without faith, grace is simply something that has never been experienced, has never been accepted, has never been experienced. Now, let's go to Ephesians 4, 24. Now, we are born again. We have become a new creature. And it says this, and that you put on the new man. Somebody say the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, that we put it on. And then it says, wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, let's go to uh, Ephesians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. So here, there is a new man. Somebody say a new man. New man. Now, that new man takes place in our life when? When we mix faith with grace right that new man is where on the inside of us see you are a three-part being you have a spirit you have a soul 
and you have a body. Now, the part of man that is born again, made into the image of Christ Jesus, or is adopted into the family of God, is the spirit of man. The spirit of man is recreated when grace is accessed by faith. We are recreated. On the inside of you, David, there is a spirit man. Amen. Now, he does not need anything. He is complete. He is, the Bible says, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. The Bible says in 1 John, the third chapter, that as he is in heaven, so are we in this earth. Wow. Now, you wouldn't know that when you look at most Christians. They, they're, you know, they're struggling, they're babbling, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're cussing, and uh, they're, they're doing all kinds of stuff that Jesus would never do. Amen. But their inward man, this inner man, this hidden man, he is born again. He's filled with faith. He doesn't have doubts. He doesn't have fear. He doesn't have any of those things. But he is subject to the soul of man. That's where man makes decisions. That's where man is transformed from the worldly to the spiritual. And a spirit, the spirit of man can only have access to the man's life through his renewed soul. Because if you do not agree, then there cannot be any operation of a kingdom. So we are born again on the inside. We are brand new creatures. We're brand new creatures. There, there's no question. The Bible says right here, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Wouldn't that be a great step of faith in the body of Christ? Well, but let's go back. And it says, no, no, there you go. But unto him which died for them and rose again. Next verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. Now, when are we in Christ? When we declare that he is Lord. We are baptized, submerged into the body of Christ. And he is a new, somebody say a new, new. creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, that can't be talking about your outward man for the simple fact we're all struggling with stuff. Amen? Absolutely. Well, I'm not even going to tell you about the fight pills that I had before church. Anyway, let's just go right back here. And it says, and all the things are, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, let's stop right there. Now, that is what takes place when we are born again. That takes place. We are a born again man. And so now we have to get our mind, our soul renewed so that it can be in agreement with our spirit man. Sometimes people say, well, you know, you got to feed your spirit. Really what they're saying is they, you need some spiritual food for that soul that needs to be united and reconciled with the recreated spirit. Amen. Your spirit is born again. Amen. It, it's born again. Now, let's go to Ezekiel 11, 18 through 20. Ezekiel 11, 18 through 20. Now, Ezekiel has been prophesied of what God is going to do hundreds of years before it ever took place. And this is what Ezekiel says about when a man turns from his sin that God does this. Now, this right here is the actual work of the recreated spirit. But it can only be accessed by grace through faith. And it says, and they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart. 
And I will put a new soul, a new what? Spirit in you. And I will take away the stony heart out of their flesh or the dead spirit. Out of their what? Flesh. He puts a new spirit into our flesh and will give them an heart of flesh or a heart of life. And then let's go to Ezekiel 18.29. Now God prophesies of what's going to happen when we're born again. This is going to take place. And now Ezekiel 18.29 says this. Yet saith the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his own way, saith the Lord God. Repent, turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. And then this, cast away from you all transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new, a new what? And a new what? Spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel. Now, one more verse. For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves, turn yourselves and live. Now, when is Ezekiel being told that this is going to take place? Before the cross, right? So, Ezekiel is telling us what's going to happen. Now, let's go to Ezekiel 36. Wow. Ezekiel 36, verse 23. There you go. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, what, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Next verse. And I will take, from, take you from among <clears throat> excuse me, the heathen, and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water upon you. That is a work of the word. The sprinkling of the water is another symbolism of the word. Remember, Jesus washes his bride with the word of God to present himself to him. And it says, and you shall be clean from all filthiness and from all your idols will I clean you. And a new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Notice there's not even a disobedient thought in the recreated spirit. And it says, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Wow. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Now, that was prophesied years, over 700 years, before that, before the new birth or before the cross. But the Bible says that this is what God was going to do. When does he do it? He does it when we confess Jesus as Lord of our life. Now, what happens when we access the grace that God said would take place at the cross, when we mix faith with it, there is a divine transition that takes place. There is a new spirit put on the inside of us. Could I get an amen? amen. Now, that is the work of God when you mix his provision, he prophesied of it, he fulfilled it at Calvary, and when you mix faith with it, guess what? You become a new creature. The Bible says we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Could I get an amen? amen? All right. So there is a new man that was prophesied of. Now there's a new man on the inside of you. Somebody say, it's there by grace, there by grace through, faith. through faith. 
Now, let's go to 1 Peter 1.20. I'm just putting all of this in. I'm hammering in that before we ever confessed Jesus, who God wanted us to be was already prophesied of. Amen? And it says, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Now, when was Jesus crucified? Or when was the new creation? When was it that God projected that we would be cleansed of our sins? Before the foundations of the world. In other words, before grace and faith were provided to men, God told us what it would do in a man. It would do in a man. We would receive a new spirit. Somebody say a new spirit. And this recreated spirit will walk in the ways of God, the statutes of God, and keep his judgments. That's what God said. Could I get an amen? amen? Absolutely. That took place when you receive or confess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. When you heard of the work that God would do if we turn from our sins, when you believed it and mixed your faith with it, you created something that did not exist unless grace was touched by faith. Amen? All right. All right. Let's go to Genesis 17.1. Genesis 17.1. This is Abraham's life, the father of faith. And it says this. When Abraham was 90 years old and nine the Lord appeared unto Abraham, and he said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Next verse. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shalt thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations I will make you. Said what? I have made you. I have made you. In other words, God's already did something for Abraham that Abraham couldn't do for himself. God did something for Abraham by grace, before this moment ever arrives. Next verse. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of these, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed, singular, after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. When did God do something by grace for Abraham before that moment? When did God make Abraham the father of many nations? Let's go to Genesis 12.1. 12.1. Now I have a point here, so please just stay with me. You might say, well, I'm lost as a goose in a fog. Uh, well, join me. And it says this. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred. That's why I'm so vehemently against in-laws. From thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let's go back to the next, last verse of 20, I'm sorry, Genesis 12, 2. 
And I will make of thee a great nation. What did God say that Abraham was going to be? I have made thee. I have made thee a father of many nations. This is where God's promise or God's grace to Abraham is revealed. Right here. And I will make of thee a great nation. But because Abraham did not understand the life of faith beyond just obedience, he never understood to mix faith with a promise or to mix faith with grace. He never ever became the father of many nations until Genesis 17, 1 through 6. Now, do you see right here? I will make thee of a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. But then after God makes the statement, he then says in Genesis 17, 3, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, when did God project that Abraham was going to have children? Right there. I'm going to make you, I'm, I will make of thee a great nation. Well, you couldn't have a nation if you didn't have children, right? Okay, so God said, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. Remember what God said about you in Ezekiel. He will take out of you that old stony spirit, that old dead spirit, and will put into you his spirit, right? right? God put in us his spirit. When did that happen? When we mix grace with what? Faith. When we mix grace with what? When we mix grace with what? And then God tells Abram that he's going to change his name from Abraham. Now that is known if you go to Romans 4.17. I know that we all know these, but it's my job to stir up your minds. Hallelujah. Romans 4.17. There you go. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, let's stop right there. How did Abraham mix faith with the grace of God? The grace of God is encompassed in every statement about you. Every statement about you is infiltrated with the grace of God. If God said that you would be a new creature and old things would pass away, you can't do that on your own. You can only do it by faith in the revelation of God's grace. You say, God's going to do this in me. I believe that. So you would confess Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Here, God teaches Abraham the first record of faith statements. Abraham is learning to be, because he's a father of faith, a friend of God. God teaches him how to mix faith with a promise. That means that we speak things that are not as though they what? Are. So Abraham says, my name is no longer Abram, my name is Abraham. And when he does that, guess what happens? Out of the deadness of a womb, a new man arises. He is Isaac. A man that was never supposed to be born, was impossible to be born on his own, but when faith was mixed with a promise, God raised a man out of a dead womb. And the Bible says that Sarah, when she believed, she received strength to conceive that seed. Now, when we receive a promise of God and we confess it or mix faith with it, guess what? God does something in us that only he could do. And when we confess him as Lord of our life, the new son, the man of promise, the Isaacs are born out of faith and grace.
And there are multiple stories like, uh, you remember Samson? Samson, well, well, he was a strong man. Uh, Samson wasn't a strong man. Hollywood had betrayed him entirely wrong. He was not a muscular man. He was a man anointed of God. He was a man that when God told him to do something, he mixed it with faith. Like killing a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. If he killed one every minute, it took him 16 and a half hours. And that jawbone had to not break while hitting those guys in the head that had helmets on, on their shields and everything else. And the jawbone didn't break. In other words, Samson became a conqueror because of grace with faith. How about Gideon? Out of one statement, out of one statement, Gideon, thou art a mighty man of valor. Out of one identity, Gideon rose up and changed the nation and destroyed the idol worship in Israel, and he became the man of God. When God makes a declaration about you and I, when we will mix faith with it, we will change our nations. And we will pull down the idol worships that are in our land. You remember the woman? You remember that we talked about who Jesus was in John 1.14, that the Word became flesh and we beheld His glory as being the only begotten of the Father. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth were manifested in Christ Jesus. You remember the woman with the issue of blood? What did she do? She came and she touched the hem of his garment. She touched grace. What did Jesus say to her? Woman, thou art whole. That whole word whole means salvation. In other words, the totality of what God has planned for the people of Abraham has now been restored to you. What did she do? By faith, she touched grace. Could she heal herself? No. Could doctors help her? No. What could help her? Only something that could create salvation. Grace with faith. Right? Amen. You know, we could do away with a lot of problems that we have that we're running to everybody about if we would simply take our faith and touch grace. Now, the grace, Jesus was made flesh, but he has now since ascended into heaven, but his word is still a declaration of the grace of God. Remember Acts 14, 2, this is the word of grace. This is the word of grace. So when we're preaching about what Christ has done and what Jesus did for us in our inheritance, we're talking about all of the works of the grace of God on our behalf. But many of us never experience them because we read them, but we never do anything with our faith. And so we, like her, are bound. In that blood is the issues of life. The issues of divorce, the issues of lovelessness, the issues of hate, the issues of, of a need, the issues of, of a instability of mind and of body, all type. Everything has to do with the life is symbolic in that woman. But if you will take your faith and mix it with grace, God will supersede where you have been no matter how long you've been there and God will turn it around and God will do something for you that you could not do for yourself. You remember a man named Jairus? Jairus. Remember he comes to Jesus and he says, could you come and lay your hands on my daughter? She's at the point of death. One translation says or another a gospel says, she's already dead. In other words, he came with faith and he apprehended grace. Now, that had already been prophesied that Jesus would come. And grace shows up and Jairus takes his faith and lays hold of grace. 
and that grace, the work of Christ, just like Jesus and every other promise, never says no to anybody. It's just people never come. Never come. And so they just toil through life, accept death, accept the work of the adversary, accept everything that comes their way. And their love motivates them to push through. But they never use their faith to create a work of God, a miracle, or a manifestation of grace on their behalf. Now it's already there, but we don't do it. And so Jairus comes and Jesus uh, touches, uh, invites Jesus. Jesus comes back and Jairus does what? Out of the deadness of a physical body where death has dominated. It looks like death has won. And know this, that nothing is ever too late for you to apprehend a promise, mix faith with it, and God transforms form your situation from a house of mourning to a house of celebration but you're going to have to mix faith could i get an amen now you can let every you can let death come to your house it can kill your marriage kill your joy kill your love kill your expectancy kill your fellowship kill everything in your life he'll even use offenses to do it some of you need to get oh yeah, never some of you need to get over yourself. You just make it a pure rear end of yourself, letting the devil rule over you because you got some offense that doesn't mean a hill of beans about nothing. Why would you allow an offense and glorify the devil in your life and know you got it and wave it before everybody and show everybody its effects on your life? Shame on you. Bless it. Shame on you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'll tell you what, if man can offend you, you ain't got much in the boiler, lady or man. You understand me? If man could overthrow what God had done, I'd have quit the first day. You really think man is greater than the God that lives in you? Come on. Is he? No. We aren't going to crowd of what people can do. We'll just stand fast and wait till they die and rejoice. But we are not going to cave in and let people manipulate us and emotionally control us. You shouldn't be an emotional mess anyway. You know, your family deserves more. You know, the Bible says we ought to love, love our brethren. That means don't mess me up and affect me by your weaknesses to allow the devil to rule you. Why should I have to pay the price of your demeaned, twisted, confused mind? Why, would I, why do I have to pay the price like that? No, we have places like that for people. They're called nut houses. Your husband doesn't deserve that. Your wife doesn't deserve that. Your kids don't deserve that. Your friends don't deserve that. Your brothers and sisters in Christ don't deserve that. Well, having got that out of my system. Now, and the reason you do it is just you don't use faith in the graces of God. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. So we realize that Jairus took his faith, apprehended grace, and transformed his total future. Could you do the same thing? I'll answer that. Yes. Absolutely, you can do the very same thing. Let's go to Numbers 13, 26, 33. And if you were the one that I was talking about being offended, you're probably about ready to leave the church, but we'll just pretend like you're going to the bathroom. Just hold your hand up like this, like they do in black churches. We'll perceive you're going to the bathroom, but we really know what's wrong with you. I'm, t I'm telling you, we are members one of another. And one, when one is weak, we are all weakened. 
Why do you do that to us? Please, I've done nothing wrong to you. But you're the one I'm offended at, Pastor. I'll reiterate, I've done nothing wrong to you. You were just in self. And when you're in self, anybody can offend you. They call me the Teflon pastor. Really? They do. People call, friends, he's a Teflon pastor. Peter, you're like Teflon. What? Nothing sticks to you. You're absolutely right. I would not give the devil nor people the privilege of separating me, causing me to be discouraged, downcast, disappointed, or anything else. Jesus is my Savior. And it's I live for him. Not for anybody else. Amen. Amen. I love Phyllis, but I'll tell you what, even in her ministry, she ain't big enough to offend me. Now, it's not like I don't want to be offended. But, <laughs> but the love of Jesus constraineth me. Then I use my faith. God hasten the end of her days, Maranatha. <laughs> not really. Hallelujah. I've been praying for that years and it never affected her. Numbers, the 13th chapter, and let's go to verse 26, and it says this. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all of the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Param and to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Next verse. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. Isn't that what God said it would be? Yeah. And this is a fruit thereof. Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very good, uh, very great, and moreover, we saw the children of the Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Sidonites and the Bacchanites and the Walpachanites and the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went with them said, We're not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we are. Know this. Everything that comes against your life is stronger than you are. But it's not stronger when God is on your side. And it says, And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants. Wait a second. I thought it was a land of milk and honey. Huh. Eateth the inhabitants. Thereof and all of the people that we saw in it are of great stature. And we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants and were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so were we in their sight. Wow. Now let's go to Numbers 14 and let's look at verse 5. Wow. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all of the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delight in us, then we he will bring us into this land and give it, give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, and they for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. Go back up to the next verse, back to the other verse, 9. And it says this, notice what Joshua says. Don't rebel against the Lord for the people of this land, for they are bred for us. 
Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. What does Joshua say? He declares a promise of grace. They have lost their defense. Now, why did he say that? Because the Lord said, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. And so he has grace. And what does he say for them to do? Let's go up and take it. You remember what happened to all the people that said, let's not go? They all died. But you remember what was born out of those that died? New people. New people. Anytime you apply grace, I'm telling you, the old man will start dying and the new man will rise up. It will rise up. Now, one more passage of Scripture we're going to close. Let's go to 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. To the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians, 12th chapter, verse 6. Hallelujah. Do you remember the blind man, Barnabas, when grace passed him by? Grace said, what would you have me do for you? He said that I might see. That's what he said. See, grace passes us by all the day long. Because the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. But we just sit in the garments of our blindness, discouragement, lack, and need. And let grace move right on. And then it says this. Paul speaking. For though I would desire to glory... I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seemeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. Where did he get revelation? Somebody say from God. God. There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of who? Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, some would say, well, God allowed that. No, he didn't. Absolutely. Why would God separate his kingdom? Why would God give a man revelation just to torment him? That, come on, that's not our God. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. What? The messenger, the uh, thorn in his flesh that hindered him. That it might depart from me. And God said unto me, my grace, the things that I have done for you in the totality of salvation is sufficient for you. And he says, for my strength is made perfect in human weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, I will rather glory in my infirmities. Not that you would be weak, but that you may begin and gain the power of Christ upon you. Next verse. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Stop right there. Why does Paul mention all those? Because all of those things, David, are a part of the thorn in Paul's flesh. All of those right there. And all of those things come against every believer. But we are not to get downcast. We are to rejoice because when it reveals to us our weakness, we go to the place that grace is available. And grace apprehended by faith turns into something that never existed. Now it says, for when I am weak, then I lose. When I am weak, what? I am strong. It can't be from his own strength. Where does he get his strength? Be strong in the Lord. The power of his might. In other words, we begin to confess, God, I want to thank you. That God, I can do all things through Christ that is infusing his strength on the inside of me. I thank you, God, that you've told me that no weapon formed against me will prosper. God, you've made me more than a conqueror. And God, no matter what I'm going through, you will bring me out on the other side. You've always declared over me that while I am in Christ, 
I am victorious in all things. What are you doing? You're being like Abraham. You're mixing faith with grace. And it will transform your life. It will transform your life. But if you do nothing, you get mad, you complain. Well, I'm just going through something. I wish to God you'd hurry up and get through it. I really do. Some people are on a journey they've never, ever made. But every time I ask them, how are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm pushing through, Pastor. I'm telling you, it's just so hard. It is when you're on your own. But when you start using faith, To apprehend grace. God causes you to be something that you never were. And he raises up a new man. A man that is going to overcome. A man that's going to rise up. A new man. A man that's going to walk in newness. A man that's not going to be ruled by death. A man that's not going to cave in. But a man that's going to face his issues by faith. In God's provision. In God's provision. When I am weak, then am I strong. Paul said, when I come to the end of myself, there's only one place to go. To the rock that is higher than I. When I despaired of even life, I remembered, stop trusting in yourself. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 down through 10. And trust in the living God. In other words, let grace do for you what you can't do for yourself. But you're going to have to use your faith. Amen? Amen? Going to have to use your faith. I want to give you you one thing. And and I'm closing. Then we're going to, next week we're wrapping this up. I'm telling you, I told God I'm tired of preaching this. Now, let's let's go to Colossians 3. Quickly, Colossians 3, we're wrapping up. I'm telling you, I am. This is it. Wendy, put on the hamburger. And, uh, Colossians, 3. Colossians 3, and let's look at verse 3. And it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Watch this. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Now the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Have you ever had a problem with one of them when God tells you to mortify him? You know that those things are impossible to mortify by self-will. The only thing that can mortify them is that you replace them with the new man. How did Abraham replace Abram with the father of many nations? Taking a promise and mixing faith with it. This is what I would do. This is what I do most mornings. God... I want to remind you that you have placed the Spirit of Christ on the inside of me. And he has enabled me to mortify the deeds of the flesh. So deeds of the flesh, I tell you this. And I go down through the list of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, 17 on down. And then what I would do with this verse is simply this. I say, God, I want to thank you. That God, you have enabled me by the power of the Holy Ghost to mortify all of the members of my old man that the new man may have dominance in my life. And God, therefore, fornication will not be manifest in my life. Uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and all covetousness, which is idolatry, 
And God, I also put off the things of the old man, which is anger, wrath, blasphemy, so forth. God, I do that because of the strength of the Holy Ghost. And God, I thank you that the new man leads me and guides me. He is always perfecting holiness and righteousness in my life. It is no longer I, God, that deals with these things. It is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. But see, we don't do that. All we do is look at the list and say, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, shouldn't do this. But if you mix grace with the promise that he said the spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you, he will mortify the deeds of the flesh. Will he do anything that you don't mix faith with? No. So what do you do? You always fight by yourself. Do you try to love your wife on your own? No, I've tried that. What happened? <laughs> I failed utterly. But most mornings I say, Father, I want to thank you that you have enabled me, empowered me by shedding abroad in my heart the love of the Holy Ghost in my life. God, I love my enemies. I love my brothers, my sisters. I love my wife. Because I love her, I would do her no ill. Now, sometimes as soon as I get out of the shower, I forget that. But in the shower, I'm using faith. Well, it's the truth. Now, I don't, I don't just give up. Then I just have to repeat it. The next morning, the next time I'm in the shower, whenever, that is my place of confession, of protection for my household. And so I don't just try to love people on my own. I'm not that kind of lovable guy. But if I can get God and his love shed abroad in my heart and I apprehend it by my faith, it's no longer I but Christ that liveth in me. Come on, let's let that new man rise up by confessing, apprehending grace through what? Faith. Through faith. Through faith. Stand to your feet quickly. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, God, that you have given us and un unveiled your promises to us and showed us what you have done for us before we ever had need of it. God, you have sent your son, brought salvation, the totality of our redemption provided for us in every place. And God, we are not who we are by our own works. We are who we are by the grace of God. And God, we are apprehending the grace of God and we are being changed day by day, moment by moment, glory to glory. Father, we thank you. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're here today and you're a backslider, now, if you're not here today and you've never been a Christian, your sins have separated you from God. Now, there's nothing in the world that can remove sin except the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus shed that blood for you 2,000 years ago. Now, that blood is waiting to cleanse you and to wash away your sins, separate you from them as far as the east is to the west. But it takes your decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and let him be Lord. If you're a backslider, then you know that it's now time for you to come home. You know that today is a day of salvation. And you know that God is here to forgive you and to restore you. So if you're in this church today, this assembly of believers and you're not a Christian, and you say, I really want to be a new creature. I want God to put his spirit in me, and I want to become a child of God. I want my sins washed away. God has provided that fountain whereby I can be cleansed 
He's waiting for me to put my faith with his will. If that's you today, I want you to step out of the aisle that is nearest you right now and quickly come down here. That's you. If you say, I'm not a Christian or you're a backslider today, wherever you are, wherever you are, today is your day. Here come. Come on. Wherever you are today. You might say, well, I, I don't know how anybody gets saved by that message. Listen, the Holy Ghost is doing a whole lot more than what you think he's doing. Amen. And so, who else? Who else? Come on, anybody else? Here she comes. Come on. Anybody else? Hallelujah. What you're going to do is you'll wake up in a day, two days, you'll find whoop wowers going off. You say, boy, God, I see that. Boy, God, I see that. And God will begin to unloose areas of faith for you to apprehend grace so that we can be the man of Christ. It's not of works, least any man should boast. Amen? Hallelujah. Pray this with me, young man. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And God, I ask you to forgive me. And I now confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Now, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you right now. I thank you that I'm born again. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. I receive you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, Father, I lose blessing upon his life. I lose strength, God. God, visit him. God, give him revelation of your word. Open the, his eyes to spiritual wisdom and revelation knowledge, God, that he'll comprehend everything that you have purchased for him in Christ Jesus. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, let that new man, God, rise up and dominate not only him, God, but all of us. All of us, God, by declaring the end, God, because of your provision in our life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. John, hallelujah. God bless you, young man. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, this is snow. It ain't that cold. Hallelujah. Randy told me to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to start every day. I want you to find a promise where God said this is who you are. When you start saying who you are, mixing faith with that grace, that grace will transform you just like it did when you were born again. And it'll transform and that old man will start fracturing off and falling off and that new man will begin to take residence up. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, just apprehend her spirit, Holy Ghost. And God, in the name of Jesus, Father, right now, God, loose her in the name of Jesus. God, we denounce every hidden work, work of darkness over her. And God, we loose right now, God, the work of your spirit. God, let grace have its complete and entire work in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, before we leave today, let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Kaparasute, shalabakate, mandilebosi, shinemakate, batalamababa konde la manto, sunini, mandilebasi, sekate, mindelebokoke, shalabababa kaba, yonde la masilebe, koke ketema, yando de la bakabrasa kapapa. Yando le bakoke te le masite, yendo le bakindo ye pele bakapapa, monde de bete le boko vreso ke bruto. Cry grace, grace, saith the Lord. Cry grace, grace to your mountain, saith God. Put a word in your mouth that I have decreed. See if I will not fulfill it and bring it to pass. 
for I'm not a man that I would lie, nor the son of man that I will repent. For I hasten my work to perform it. I uphold all things by the power that is infused into my word of grace. So I say unto you, cry grace, grace, saith the Lord of hosts. And watch me make a new man. Watch me rise you up. Watch me change death. Watch me change need. Watch me change your life. Watch me visit your house, your children, your home. I am the God that has provided for you from your beginning to your end, saith the Lord. I say unto you, rise up and cry grace, grace, hallelujah. For I am the God of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey, hey. Hallelujah. Daniel, sing something. Praise God. We're going to see him Wednesday night. We're going to be preaching on the book of Revelations. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night.